Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello folks, it's David here and I would just like to take a moment to ask you to go and check out our sponsors NordVPN. Internet security, very important. I'm sure it's something that you're concerned about as well. Me, I like to know that I'm the person in control of my data. I live on my phone and the amount of stuff I do on it from banking to documents to private messaging, I need to know is secure. We all know that there are bad people out there who will come in and uh, try and get our details and spend our money for us. NordVPN prevents that, especially if you're using public Wi-Fis or you're using Wi-Fis away from your home. If you use NordVPN, you are safe and protected. It also allows you to take short holidays to places if that's ever required. It's a brilliant product. I use it every day and highly recommend it. And you can get a tremendous offer if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand that's nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand or use the code heart and hand to get up to 70% off your nordvpn plan you'll also get one additional month for free risk free with nord it's 30 day back money uh, 30 day money back guarantee so all you need to do if you don't like it is just say nope and you'll get your money back so go and check them out as i say it's very important you'll get peace of mind Go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. Hello everyone, my name is David Edgar, I'm the host of Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast and welcome to this week's episode as we get ready to look back over our 2-1 victory at Dundee and look ahead to what promises to be an enormous month for the club. Joining me to discuss it, well it's two for the price of one. First of all, the Sage of Solcoats himself, Andy McGowan. Hello folks, hello David. And just to save me having to worry too much about names, it's Andy Barnett. Hi, good evening David, good evening Andy. Well, it could lead to some confusion later on in the show, but we'll just we'll just try to to get past it. Yeah, Andy, and he's big Andy. How about that? That's easy that, enough for you. That does what? Well, he has big Andy. I mean, that is what we call him. So, uh, yeah, but and he has he has quite big. And I'm and I'm not. You You are. Uh, that's a tiny, tiny little man. That's smaller than Rod Wallace, uh, who's quite a small man. But that's. I, I'm loving this, lads, because you know we we like to do contrasts on hand in hand and, and get the voice of fan. The last time I heard two people with accents like yours, one of them gave the other one five to ten. So it's <laughs> it should be quite a an interesting lineup. But let's go then right to Dundee yesterday, Andy. 
Big Andy. I said to you on Saturday and we're chatting away in a group chat that I felt, although, you know, yeah, we need eight out of eight in, in an ideal world, that I'm not quite sure we will, but what we absolutely categorically needed was to win that one and the next one against Celtic at, at Ibrox. Those are two must-wins for me. Where a draw or any other result in either of them wouldn't have been recoverable. And I'd, I'd say that now ahead of that game in two weeks' time, that after that, if we don't win that, it would take a wee bit, I think, to get the job done. But, I mean, that we need to got to that stage had we not had that second half recovery yesterday after what was, I thought, an absolutely shocking first-half performance. Yeah, I'm 100% correct in that, you know, history teaches Ed, and it means you've, you've got to be alive getting into the split, and we've got ourselves in this position where there's very little margin for error, and if we dropped in at Dens Park, then you're right, it would have been, it would have been done, you know, even an, an eternal optimist like me who has gone on record saying it's never fatal until it's actually fatal, um, I, I, I would have, I was sitting there at, or standing there at Dens Park yesterday thinking, we're done if we don't get out of this. And uh, it'd have been even worse to go into that game uh, in a fortnight against Celtic, knowing that you'd drop points. And effectively, they would have been granted that game to, you know, to put the final the final dagger that. to our heart. So um, it was a massive, massive game yesterday. Massive second half. And I totally agree with you. The first half was... I could see why the pitch, I don't know if it came through on the TV, the pitch was really, really bad, you know. that oh, it was did, it did. Sunday, Sunday league standard football pitch. You know, I, I, I mean, we're going about plastic pitches, it's been a disgrace, but I'd rather play in a plastic pitch than that because that was a throwback to the 80s. Um, I'd like to know how much of it was deliberate in terms of not being watered and it being rutted, but it was, you know, there was a couple of players I thought came out with great credit because... They didn't let it affect their game. You know, their touch and their passing was exemplary on such a difficult surface. But aye, the game was the game was memorable. On that, the, the worst two pitches I've seen this season have been St Johnston and Dundee, and they're the bottom two clubs. And I wonder if the advantage they seem to think they're gaining might be a bit of a, a misstep, really, because the the league position certainly suggests that. But yeah, pitch was horrible, although we'd seen it the, the week before. And yeah, I felt that there was a case of after the Lord Mayor show, and it's perhaps understandable, you know, they're playing in Belgrade on a Thursday night and there they are at 12 o'clock and on a Sunday, of course, the SPFL doing all they can for Scottish clubs in Europe, as always. Hmm. Um, but... Uh, that we were sluggish, we were slow at the trap. That's the seventh time this season we've conceded in the opening ten minutes. It's a thing. Rangers very often do not start games properly. No, uh, when I look at this season as a whole, uh, it's it's not been particularly great uh, domestically at all. I don't think we've really kicked into a hundred percent gear at all in any of the domestic matches. We've had some nice runs of results, of course, particularly when when Geo first arrived. But I don't think we've we've seen sustained Rangers' typical dominance in matches. I mean, Dundee's the bottom team in the league, as you said before, and St. Johnson are second bottom, and we've won by one goal both times, very narrow games. We should be doing better than that. 
Yeah, we're coming back from from Europe, and that is going to be an, a leveler. Um, it's not just us, you know. For, for example, you saw West Ham yesterday, although they're playing in a better league with better opposition. But you know that that's just something that the players by now should know how to deal with. And we've said it, and you, you've said it yourself many times as well, David. That we take a, an hour on the Sunday, you know, for the Sunday midday kickoff, we take an hour to actually get going. And very often we find ourselves behind uh, early doors and struggling to get back into it. And it's, I mean, I think I think Andy McGowan called it right. Like the you know the players did respond, and it was hugely important to to come away with a win. But it's still very concerning, I think, for me anyway, that domestically, uh, particularly in the league, there is no consistency at all with our play. And yet here we find ourselves in just about to go into April, uh, only three points off the top. Uh, given the, the, the level of performances, particularly away from home after Europe, I think it's it's great that we're even there because um, we'd be playing better opposition, we'd, we'd not come away with anything yesterday. No, and I, I can't pretend that Dundee are a good side because they're not. They are no. where they should be in the league, the very limited side. Uh, and, and in the first half, Andy, I mean, Rangers did dominate this game. Having watched it back without the tension, Dundee are very rarely in our half, never mind in our box. Uh, Rangers were utterly dominant. But in any match like this, you hand an opposition who are fighting for their life up against it, you hand them something to hold on to, then they're going to get that boost, they're going to get that extra 10% in their legs, which they did. And then Rangers were struggling to find any, any rhythm, any fluency, trying to force it in the first half and the passing was wayward. People were just mistiming things. A couple of efforts on goal where perhaps if, you know, a wee bit more composure, we might have been up. Even then we would, we were unlucky. If you were a neutral watching it, Rangers were unlucky not to be level at half time. Spurling, of course, a, a glorious opportunity to do it through James Tavernier from the penalty spot. Now, there's been some debate about this because Rangers can't be given a penalty without there being some debate about it. It seems to be a, a, a bylaw in Scotland that there must be some controversy, manufactured controversy nonetheless. But uh, I'm just going to list you down the people who thought it was a penalty yesterday, having seen it back. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, the referee, of course, who gave it. Mark McGee, no friend of Rangers, thought it was a penalty. Uh, and then Dermot Gallagher, the Sky Ref today, thought it was a penalty. The people who didn't think it was a penalty are Chris Sutton and Sports Scene. Now, call me cynical if you must, but uh, I think I'll go with my list on that one as to whether or not it was a penalty. So, if that had been given against Rangers, I know I'd, I'd be feeling sore. The reason I know I'd be feeling sore is because it has been given against Rangers at Parkhead in an all-firm game by Kevin Clancy. And at that time, and I think I've said it since, how how often do you see penalties being given for shots being pulled in a box at a corner? Not very often. But the bottom line is, it's a penalty. And just as I didn't like it at Parkhead, it was a penalty. And that one yesterday, so I'm right behind the goal. I had a great seat yesterday, right behind the goals up high. I could see the jersey being pulled by Mamorelis a mile off. It was such a blatant pull that the two angles that you see in the TV don't actually do it justice. If you're standing behind the goals, you would see that the jersey was nearly half them. It was so blatant. And so it's 100% penalty. The red card thing, I kind of get why Madden didn't send the guy off because you know there was no guarantee that Mamorelis would have actually connected to that. But... I can see, I could see why you could send them off. So if anything, I'm deeper lucky not to go down to ten men at that point. But it's a penalty, and this kind of 
this kind of ad nauseum debate about Rangers penalties, it's just, it's beyond tedious now because it's the same folk, it's a micro-analysis of every single decision we get. And, I mean, you go back to Michael Stewart, and I think it was Defoe had a penalty once and he brought out the, like, what was it, biomechanic nonsense? Yes. Gar- absolute garbage, you know. And if you look at similar situations for other teams, there's A, there's no the scrutiny. And I get that. Nobody wants to listen to penalties with hubs and hearts. I mean, nobody cares about these teams. It's Rangers that sell papers and get clicks. But it is getting beyond tedious now. And, I mean, you're, you're mentioning Sutton and sports scene. You know, sports scene had the former Dundee manager who, <laughs> you know, if he had his choice, it wouldn't be Dundee, he'd be managing, let's put it that way. And, and also, and, is it, is it, this is a weird thing that's crept in. I saw Jack Ross doing a Hibs game a few uh, weeks ago, and it's like, surely that can't be fair on them or the players. And I mean, they need to be brave and say, no, I'm not coming in to talk about a club I've just left who are in, you know, still in the midst of a season I participated. It just seems weird to me. It's if logic was dictated, you would say the last person we should be getting because <laughs> this team is a guy that's just made a rip roaring arse and put him in the boat in the league. No, yeah. actually, let's let's get him in. That's a good idea. Who does? Who makes these decisions at BBC Scotland? It's it's perverse. But then that's the country we live in. Yeah, as in Andy, we <laughs> we've had some some good penalties from Tav lately. Uh, I'm a great believer in there's two types of penalties, good ones that go in and bad ones that don't, because I think you should always score from a penalty spot. Um, you've got to hit the target at least. And I know that he's he's been putting them in the top corner and they look amazing when they go in like that. They are the perfect penalty. But if you get them wrong, then they go over the bar. And when that went in, I will admit that I thought, this is one of those days. I, I did. I thought... Mm. I've seen this movie a few times and there was just nothing at all in the uh, in what we'd seen in that 45 to think that this wasn't going to be a real banana skin of a day. No, it was a, it was a bad penalty. I agree with you. I think not, not hitting the target is is bad. I mean, if the keeper pulls off a world, we just need to look at our own goalkeeper. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, the, the, I mean, the guy blutered the shot into the bottom corner. McGregor manages to save it. Sometimes you just have to hold your hand up. But in this case, it was just a poor, poor penalty, not hitting the target from 12 yards. But it's been a long time since he's missed one. Uh, hopefully it doesn't go on a run of, of missing them now because that's what happened last time he missed one and then it was like two, three, four in a row that, and then we sort of went through that stage of rotating them between was it Arfield, Barisic, Morelos obviously missed one as well we hope that that doesn't happen again we will get penalties if we're, if we're spending the majority of the game in the opposition's box it's, that's just what's going to happen to go back to your argument before um, and it um, doesn't matter if people don't want it to be a penalty if the rules are a penalty it's a penalty but yeah hopefully that will be a uh, That'll be the last one that he misses. And with regards to yesterday, I'll be honest, I went at halftime thinking there's no way. I'm sure we all did. If we can't get the ball in from there, we're just not going to get anything out of today. I thought maybe we might have sneaked a draw. So credit to the players for for bouncing back because I think at halftime the pressure was on. It was a case of literally, if we don't manage to come out, a lot of people would have given up in the title and they managed to come out and, and get the results. So... It was crucial that they responded. Uh, I'd like to know what, what Gio said to them at half-time because I know what I would have said to them. Yeah, I think that 
the manager got the team wrong because my my yes, long-standing yeah. complaint here, which is we do not need two defensive midfielders in a match against a bottom six team in Scotland. That we we just don't, right? Oh. And especially if you then go a goal behind and you are having to force the play. But he did make the changes at half time with Aribo and Sakala coming on, and then it was absolute Alamo stuff down the Dundee box. I want to talk though, Andy McGowan, about the protests. Now we know why they're going on. The the this friendly in Australia, which no Rangers fan that I know wants and should be cancelled. I just don't think there's any doubt about that. We've said it from minute one that it was announced that this should not go ahead. Rangers should pull out of it. And the protests have taken the form of chants at games, at banners. Uh, the old song book returning, which we discussed last week on the show, if you, you want to go and check that out, folks. And yesterday, though, there were interruptions to play with toilet rolls, tennis balls. Uh, and while I understood the first one, because you do need to protest when people are watching, it's all right saying you should put There's no point doing a protest in a car park. It doesn't have any effect. So you do need to protest where an audience is. That's the point of it. I couldn't really defend the, the second half one because we were desperate to, to get a good start and get going and it held us up and again I'll just go Mark McGee said yeah it benefited us because it interrupted their flow at the start of the half and it's a tough it's a a tough line because as I say you, you don't we have this habit in this country of telling protesters you need to protest in a way we agree with and it doesn't always work like that. Equally, you need to bring people along with you. You and I were at the Trust, and that was a failing, the Rangers Supporters Trust many years ago, and that was a failing of ours, that we sometimes antagonised guys who should have been our natural allies, which is maybe why when I look at that, I, I, I have a step back and I look at it from the point of view, because I've been you know, involved in a, in a camp where you're doing the protest. I I, I could justify the first couple, but the points made for me at that point, you know, it's going to be a talking point. It's going to be a discussion. I don't think there was much to gain with the one at the start of the second half. And if we hadn't got the win, you can guarantee that would have set a lot of fans against it. Yeah, I'm going to choose my words really, really carefully here because it's an incendiary topic, right? And I'm very, very aware as 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 somebody that's got this platform that, you know, this is my opinion. And uh, I don't, I don't want to be playing Celtic in this friendly, right? Let's make that absolutely clear. And I'm a wee bit worried about some of the seeds are being being sown as a support. And and I'm Mister Balance, right? Look at me, I'm Mister Balance, and it's easy to be balanced because it's kind of a cop out because you're neither one or the other, and it could be construed as sitting on the fence. But I think there is a bit of balance needs to be applied here, just a wee bit to temper the road we're going down because. You're 100% correct, David. I agree with you. As a 45-year-old man, I think the first protest was acceptable and it made a great point because it had the kind of, the kind of double barrel, the, the toilet roll, and then you know the kickoff was taken and then it got delayed again, right? You make your point, absolutely. The second one in the second half was <laughs> a kind of read-the-room moment. You know, as soon as I hammed, I'm like, yeah, fucking idiot. I mean, why, why are we doing this? Because... At that point, you know, as much as I'm against the, the friendly, I'm not caring about the friendly. I want to see Rangers win because as we've spoken about, we're sitting looking at 44 minutes saying our league chances, league title chances rest in this next 45 minutes and that's how we kick it off, right? So I'm a wee bit worried that we're becoming a wee bit nihilistic 
in the response to this friendly because um, we don't need to burn down the club because you're right. But what we need to do, as you say, David, and the trust we learned, well, we never learned actually. We look back on it now. We look back on it now with mere mature mind and say, you know, you can't go to war every time. You've actually got to have some kind of dialogue. And I think we need to just watch it. We're not wrapping this up in a burn the club down and let's get rid of the board because I'm a money man. I'm the man that stands up and says, right, here's what I think. To this point in time, I've been, you know, genuinely supportive and endorsed most of what the board has done because I see a bigger picture, right? And I don't think we should be burning it down. I just don't think that we need to go to the extent where we blow the whole thing up, given that we're, we're no... How can I put this? I, I, I know why the money was signed up for this friendly. And part of me says, I but I want to see the, the best team and I want to see this board tool us up as comprehensively as we can to take it to Celtic and win the league every year. But the same token, we've got this balance where they've, they've got it badly, badly wrong because they've, they've went for this friendly and have totally misjudged the response. And Celtic have stuck them in it with the way they, they used it as a tool to deflect that particular day. So, you know, there's loads of lessons. Don't get in the bed with people you shouldn't be trusting. Read the room in terms of your, your fan base. But at the same token, we as a fan, fan support, big base, we need to, we just need to be careful. Because if we go, if we do things like that and we cause damage to the 11 on the park and to our chances of winning things, do you know, do the means justify the ends? I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go down there. We've made the point. I, I think we'll see movement on this friendly. I know nothing, but I just I think the silence is, you know, there was a report last week came out of Australia that was was pointing towards um, Rangers maybe looking at it again. Um, that that's my my point. So I think we just need to temper it at this point of the season. You know, it was the first song get sung at Dance Park yesterday. I get it. I totally understand it. But this kind of response that we go back to the songbook. I understand the songbook. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a I've sang these songs, right? But they're not going to benefit us. They're going to benefit one team in Scotland because the environment we work in, we know how this works and we're not going to get pats in the back for it. So I just think, you know, balance, temper, use the heat, look at a bigger picture, see what happens. That, that's my take. But then I know I'm quite isolated in that viewpoint, David. Well, uh, yesterday on social media, I get accused of being... Too hard on the protesters and not hard enough on the protesters. So I don't think there is an answer that's going to satisfy many people. For me, um, we Andy, I when I was younger, I was a militant, and I was Andy will tell you the trust I was burn it all down. You know, just whatever we're right, and that sense of rightness when you're that age gives you, you think, carte blanche to do what you like. And when you get older, you realise actually no, I could have handled that better. Um, but I also know what I was like when guys my age told me 20 years ago I was wrong. I was like, what do you know, you old fart, right? This isn't your time, it's my time. So I, I think that kind of thing needs to be considered as well. But the, the, the issue for me is that the support is united on what they want to happen with regards to the friendly. Uh, and it, being divided by protests for that, I'm like, Andy, it just worries me. 
I think Andy's called it right about the timing of it. If this was near the beginning of the season, I don't think there'd be so much of an uproar because it's getting to the tense part of the season. If the players need our backing. Uh, that's where the, the the argument can be made for it being counterproductive. As it happens, I, I, I'm not a fan of protests of any kind generally because I don't know if they work. However, I actually thought it was quite effective yesterday because it did get noticed and... People were people. People were saying, you know, you can't uh, do that. You should. You'd be better, you know, protesting the board outside the car park. Well, nobody's going to be there to no, do that, it. Yeah. That, that's, no, totally that, 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 that's the forum in which to do it. And the other thing as well is that people will be complaining about this friendly, and ninety nine percent of the Rangers fans do are are very against this friendly. But nobody's prepared to do anything about it except the people that were protesting yesterday. So what I would suggest is that if you have got an alternative way that you think will actually have an effect, then, then by all means do it or suggest it. If the friendly does turn out to get cancelled, um, then the people who protested yesterday will will say, and maybe rightfully, that, well, you know, they listened to us. And I also think it's a, an accumulation of things as well. It's not just the friendly. There's a lot of other things that I think some of the fans are a bit peeved up off about and you know you saw the banners the other week about the disabled facilities the lack of uh, discourse and, and conversation about the the safe standing and other issues and i think we're all feeling a bit of tension as well with what's been going on 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 the pitch um if we were 10 12 points clearer would we have seen a protest yesterday i'm not so sure would they have announced the friendly so soon i'm not so sure timing is everything david that's that's what i think and i think okay we've made the point this is the bit i agree with andy we've made the point there's no point in doing it again. Let's get behind the team, which, by the way, the fans, for the most part, certainly on the TV, really did yesterday get behind the team. That's what it looked like. Maybe you guys were at the game. You can tell me if that was wrong, but it sounded like uh, the debatable songbook aside, the support was magnificent for the nah, team. The away support always are. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. They're, they're there in numbers. and I mean, these are the most passionate Jazz fans that are out there. These are the guys that go home and away and they go everywhere. And they deserve respect for that yeah. so yeah, yeah i agree i mean this is the thing you know I've, I've i've heard some people with their own agenda saying oh well uh you you condemned the protest i certainly didn't i thought the first one was really effective thought it made its point thought it was at the right time thought it was the right thing to do it was just the one at the start of the second half yeah there was uh, no need for that one the no reason need. i didn't like it was that twofold one it interrupted the team and two because it interrupted the team it'll put people off them and people who should be supporting them on the issue end up just taking themselves out of it and that's when a protest can become counterproductive so it, it wasn't the protest i was upset about it was the tactics of it that's all just timing. Yeah. timing first one had made the point second one i felt was a wee bit unnecessary but the team did rally and then andy mcgowan from 60 minutes to 70 minutes we really stepped up, and that was kind of what I expect Rangers to be like in those situations. We battered them. We did absolutely batter them. We actually battered them the whole of the second half, but that period was ridiculous. I mean, it was just they could not get out of their own 18-yard box. Rangers were constantly in at them. And, and when you've got good players, we brought on Kamar Roof, and when you've got good players, good players will make things happen, and other players under that constant, relentless pressure... Will, will panic and they will make errors and things will open up and Kamar Roof gets a header, Aaron Ramsey's there to tap it in, now it looks like a bit of luck for Aaron Ramsey because he's right place right time and he can't miss, you know he just bundles the ball over the line, he can't miss but the thought occurred to me which of our other midfielders would have been there, would have literally been there that 
tight in, following in with the eye for goal. And I can't actually think of, of many that I think would, you know, maybe Hadji, who of course is out, but it's a wee bit of a goal-scoring instinct that he has that maybe other players don't. If you watch the goal, you see he's perpetual motion. Doesn't he stop? He's, he's running, and the timing of that run is perfection. And it does, it does look like tapping, because it is. But <laughs> as all good goal scorers will tell you, the tap-ins don't just happen. You've got to have that instinct. And uh, what we know about Ramsey is that he's a class player, and I think he's been written off too quickly. Uh, despite the fact that you know he was brought in to do a job for the last 12 games or whatever it was. Um, I thought that that period that you spoke about there, David, he upped the ante because what he was doing was making things happen. You've seen just before it, he took the ball, beat a couple of men, had a shot, right? Which we don't do. We don't have midfielders that beat men and shoot. Aribo doesn't do it enough. Jack won't do it. Arfield doesn't do it. You know, they're always trying to score the perfect goal. Uh, he had the heater with the goal and made a save. You know, that's him in the box again with a striker's heater. So he upped Ante a wee bit. And that's what you're looking for for a senior player that you're you're obviously paid that well. Juventus have paid a lot of money for and still paying a lot of money for. <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying that with a smile. So the, the what I thought the big change was that you've spoken about Van Brockhorst maybe getting it wrong in the first half of playing two central midfielders, two defensive midfielders in Sands and Lundstrom. He kind of done that last week against them in the cup tie and, the, and it worked fine because we got the first goal and we just steamrolled them after that. The, so I don't think it was a wrong starting 11, but once they get the goal, it was the wrong starting 11 because all of a sudden you've you've got to force the game and they're entrenched. Sakala came on. Now you can say what you want about Sakala. He creates chaos. He's that unpredictability. He runs at players. Sometimes comes off from, sometimes it doesn't. But he creates chaos and makes things happen and he gets their defenders turning. And I thought that was badly needed in the first half because how many times did we see Tavernier get the ball? He's one main attacking outlet as always. And there we left back Marshall. I think it was, was right on him, right on him. And Tavernier was something to turn in. So Sakala, I think, is integral. I, I'd like to see him start more so we start faster and take, game, take games to teams faster. Roof looks very, very sharp. and. I think he's got an integral part to play in the running because Morelos looked knackered. He had his left thigh strapped up. I don't know if you've seen that. And no, he did, yeah. He obviously, he obviously came off on Thursday with something. I think Maria, um, Gio trusts him implicitly. That's why he stayed in the part as long as possible on Thursday in Serbia. But I think Ruth deserves a bit more time because he's the best finisher we've got at the club. And his movement's fantastic. And he shoots and he creates things, and that's how the second goal came about. So credit to Joe for changing things up. I, I, I sincerely mean this, but credit to the team for handling that pressure yesterday, because that was a pressure 45 minutes, and I was wondering if we were going to wilt under it. We didn't, with the opposite. We went on and on and on, took the game consistently at Dundee, and they were, they were the ones that wilted. Um, and this is a team fighting for their livelihood, you know. Mm-hmm. They're going yeah. to get relegated. So fantastic second 45, we go with just rewards. We haven't really dug out too many like that. Hibs away is the one I can think of with a late winner. But that's why I was very pleased yesterday and I just felt that it was a difference maker because that's a game that's ran away from us into a draw far too often this season. We've seen it in, in various matches at home even where we absolutely should have got a win, didn't and then can't get the late goal. 
to to get ourselves over the line. But we did in this instance, and as you say, Kemar Roof again involved, causing chaos. The ball falls to Connor Goldson of all people, who's up there and lovely finish, composed. I mean, it would have been easy to lean back and welly that one into Tanadice, but he he just composed, puts it calmly past the keeper for a huge goal. The reaction from fans and players. I mean, I cheered that like an old firm goal when it went in. Um, you could tell how important it was to everybody. Andy, on the Ruth Morelos thing, this is the problem with the either-or for me, the, the binary choice, that it needs to be one or the other. You can't leave Alfie out, scoring goals or not, and I know that he hasn't been scoring domestically very many, but he does so much, and he has been doing that lately. He occupies the centre-backs, he smashes about, he causes problems for them, he links the play, he does all of these things. Even if he isn't scoring goals, he does all of those things, and we saw at Parkhead when he's not there, then you lose so much. You lose your out ball. You lose that guy. They, the other team have so much more time on the ball in that defensive area to build from, and it gives them a much more solid base. So I can totally understand why Gio thinks I can't do without him in my side. Roof can't do that. Roof does not have the ability to do that. But Roof has movement, especially in tight games where there's no space, where teams are sitting back and loads of bodies. He finds that half yard, and as Andy says, a magnificent finisher, and he looks sharp as a tack right now. We have to find a way to get both of them on the pitch at the same time more regularly. Well, I think the the time that sticks out to me was the the last Old Firm game at Ibrox when they, they both started. Um, if, if my memory serves me correctly, and uh, they didn't give the the Celtic backline a minutes a minutes piece, particularly in the first half, when we were expecting an onslaught that never really materialised, apart from maybe the first ten fifteen minutes or so. I thought their movement last time was was excellent. I personally would have started with Roof yesterday and not Morelos on the basis that he, of he was carrying a knock for no, no other reason, simply than he looked like he was carrying a knock on on Thursday. And as it was just mentioned, if he was strapped up, um, obviously they, they, they do the medical checks. So he was he was good to go, but he wasn't 100%. That was clear for me. And I, I probably would have started Roof in that game. Uh, but it's easy for me to say in hindsight. Is there a way to get them both in? I, I, I don't know. They, they seem to kind of get in each other's way when, when that tends to happen. Um, however, maybe the, the old fun game. Is, is the game to do it in because we will get more space at the back um, yeah, moving forward, sorry, against their back line, given the way that they play. Maybe that's the tactical change that Gio will spring. It worked well last time. And if he does, we could get a bit of success because when you've got both of them firing, that's the thing. If they both click at the same time, David, any defence will struggle big time against them because both can score. Both will cause defences nightmares uh, for 90 minutes with movement. Um, with Morelos's physical presence, I think I think we might see a little surprise, and that could be the game to do it. Which is ironic, given that you know that's going to be the toughest game of the season so far. Yep, um, it, it certainly will be. But it's a good option to have, though. A Kamal Roof coming to coming to fitness and coming to form at probably just the right time of the season, Andy. The same as last year. Uh, it was exactly the same. Sorry uh, to inter- interrupt again, Andy. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was this time last year. Roof was banging in the goals and got his double against them. So that, yeah, I, th- I think he's. I-, I agree with Andy McGowan. He's going to be crucial in the running. Yeah, he's a he's a quality operator. So that sets us up then for a, a two week break, which I think we could probably all do with just a, a quick holiday, if you like, reset, ready to go. Because um, big Andy this month is going to be absolutely wild. We, of course, have drawn Braga, um, our old friend, 
in the Europa League quarterfinals. By no means an easy tie, but by no means uh, a, an insurmountable one. And we, of course, have the Old Firm semi-final in the Cup to look forward to. Probably at least one, probably two Old Firm League matches. And in terms of where I want this club to be, I'd rather be eight points clear. But apart from that, this is the sort of situation I want us to be facing at this time of the year. I've just ignored the prof. I've got my head in the sand because I can't think about it. My head starts thumping as soon as I start thinking about it because it's going to be so intense. Um, but this is the price you pay for being a, a a successful team still involved in Europe. So we wouldn't have it any other way. And it does feel again like 2008. You know, I'm feeling the feelings I had back then, which is a mixture of excitement and trepidation because you know how how much is at stake, but also and how exciting. And skin, you're, you're right. I've just... Uh, I've had a conversation with my wife about Braga, and it's it's, it's well, quite well. I've got to be honest. She's she's um, oh, is she is she going? Disabled. You staying home with the kids <laughs> this time? Aye, that's right, Davy. It's about time on, you did. Aye, that's right. And next week on Fanny's Island. It's about time you did. You swanned uh, off to Dortmund. I, I know that, but that was you know I, I, that was that different, was, was it? Aye, well, see, right. that, that, at least that, at least you managed to make your flight. That's all I'm saying. Well, well. Is, we'll come to that in a minute, Andy. Um, but both, right, both you and your missus are season ticket holders at Rangers. It's not like me and my missus, she's got no interest in football. You're both season ticket holders at Rangers. You went last time, she should go this. Listeners, let I, us know. Why do I feel like I'm getting to Terry? I'm sitting in my house here sweating and rubbing my thumbs. Why, why? <laughs> the, the, the ground rules have been set. Sarah listens to every pod on this network, so she'll be listening to us. Sarah. Phone in one day, tell Davey what's the score. I've got a before the rain was born. What? I've got a solution for you, Andy. How about you and your wife go and let David uh, and his missus babysit your children? Yeah, how about that? That's a great idea. I'll be saddled for the dog. Andy, you know fine well that I wouldn't leave me in charge of a fucking remote control, never mind a human <laughs> life. So, I mean, I can be, look at the shambling husk of a human I am and you're expecting me to look after a child. You'd come back and she'd have grown a third leg or something. So no, it's probably for the best. But yeah, um, Andy, tell your story then last week. You were all primed to go to Belgrade and, uh, well, take it away. Right, okay, so... <laughs> right. Um, I love stories that start with, right, okay, listen, okay, right, then. okay. Right, so, <laughs> yes, I was looking forward to the first my first game in three and a half years watching Rangers, okay, so that, that gave a bit of context. Also, I'm not a good flyer, and I'm going to seek the sympathy from you guys. Not that I'll get it from you, David, but maybe Andy will give me a bit of sympathy here. I'm not a good flyer. I, I suffer from a bit of anxiety with, with travel. So the build-up, like the 24 hours before, was quite a challenge for me. But I got myself into a stage like, great, met my brother, flight's all booked, got my tickets sorted as well. Thanks to a couple of people listening for helping me get the tickets sorted. I'm sorry I couldn't use them, of course. And then it's an early morning flight of... 5.30 flight and we go through all the securities, all the check, luggage etc, nobody stops us and then literally as we're about to step out of the gate onto the plane they say can we see your um, your COVID checks and they said it's not within 48 hours and I said well the website said 72 hours which it did and they said oh yes yeah, it's, it's been changed to 48 hours now and we were due to travel via Istanbul they said you can fly to Turkey if you want but you'll not be able to get from Turkey to Belgrade so my brother and I looked at each other and thought, you fancy a day in Istanbul? And then we decided, no. <laughs> so 
we had to. Might have been tricky to. Might have been tricky to watch the the match in Istanbul. I'm not necessarily. I think they would have been focusing on the Galatasaray. Well, and it was also we thought we didn't want to get stuck there as well, given that there was something wrong with our COVID test. I mean, listen, through all of that, to get right to the very end, we were so frustrated with the airline. However, lesson learned. That was the first time I'd tried to travel since COVID. And I'm somewhere between angry and embarrassed at myself for not double, triple, quadruple checking. But, you know, I missed the game. um, And I'll just have to wait for for the final in Sevilla to meet all of you guys. Well, you know how superstitious I am that now you have to not get on. You've got to go to Tel Aviv Airport and not get on a plane every round now. Should I, do Should I do that for Bragg Absol- as well? Absolutely. Just turn up at the airport. Don't even have a ticket this time. And as you're stepping on to the plane, they go, can I see your ticket? You go, no, I don't have one. They go, well, you can't get on the plane then. And then you go home and we'll win because you know how superstitious I am about, about stuff like that. So um, yes. yeah. if it, it works, was a nightmare. It. it was and, a nightmare. However, we got through. That's the shining light. That's all that matters. And, and Big Andy, um, Braga is the draw we wanted but let's not fool ourselves, it's a draw they wanted. Uh, I watched Barcelona scud Real Madrid 4-0, and I think reports of their demise have been greatly exaggerated, so I'm glad we're saving them to the final. But it is winnable. I mean, it's we're not being arrogant, and we're not a long shot to beat Braga. We'll need to be good. We'll need to be really good. We saw that first hour at, at Ibrox, um, back then, at, at what a team they were, and they haven't dipped significantly since. Uh, I would say that we are probably better but it's going to be a tight it's, it's a bit like red star it's going to be a tight match it's one that nobody would be surprised if one side or the other made it through we should be confident but you know it's going to be really really hard and that first hour at braga so that first hour at ibrox when we played braga before the comeback you know, they played us off the park and it should have been far, far more than it was. And that, that night loves me because I remember... How was I doing? I mean, I remember saying at that time, I said, we, sh- we should be absolutely dead and buried. And uh, it's kind of unthinkable, that thing that you see other teams do and whenever your own team happened, didn't it? So I don't think we should get too ahead of ourselves, to be quite honest, because um, it's going to be really, really tough. It'd be tough in isolation, but when you put it in the context of that April and the intensity of the games we're going to be playing, it's going to be really, really sapping for this squad. We're going to push some of these players to the absolute limit, physically and mentally. And again, I'll go back to 2008 because we saw it. So we do have a precedent for this and we do have a kind of yardstick of what can happen in these scenarios. We're going to be playing you know, every three, four days. It's it's hard going. It's hard going when it's normal games, normal it games super intense games. It is, but I actually prefer this team to be, and they've said it themselves in the past, they prefer midweek play, midweek play, we let, you know, less training and just getting on with it. And they have responded well in the past to this. I also think that there's something special in Europe, obviously the stadium, but I think the players, we've seen it, you know, even when we weren't winning leagues, we've seen it, that they they were always able to, yeah, to to, to bring that extra 10% into these matches. Um, and you know we'll need we'll need our big players on these occasions, but I don't think it's unfair to suggest uh, we Andy that the likes of Ryan Kent have performed probably at a higher level in Europe this season than certainly regularly domestically. I think everybody has. Um, I think that over the last four years the players have played their some of their best stuff 
in the European competitions, and uh, this year's definitely no different. I, after the away Dortmund game, I have to be honest and say that I felt there was a chance we could go quite deep in this competition. I think we've, we, we will get past Braga. Andy's right, though. It's not going to be easy at all. The players are going to thrive on it, though. Like The second legs but for both the quarters and hopefully if we get to the, the semis, both being at Ibrox for the, the second legs, I think is going to play a huge factor. Uh, although the last time we went this far, of course, it was the other way around. We had the, the home legs first, but we didn't win any of them other than the, the Bremen game. But this is what it's all about, David. We're in fighting on three fronts going into April, and 2008 was the last time that happened. Um, it's, it's great. It's, it's so exciting. It really, it really, really is. And I've just got a, a feeling that we will get past Braga and have a real stab at, at one of the two teams, Atalanta or, or Leipzig, in the, in the semi-final. Um, but even to get this far as an achievement, I, I just feel it's not done yet. And I, I really fancy us to, to get through it. They've improved, but we've also improved. And I think mm. this team has been over the course now in Europe. They know how to, to win. They play their best stuff because they get time on the ball, which they don't get uh, in Scotland at the, in the same. You know, you're able to move the ball around. And against the low block or two backs of five, they, they don't have that luxury in Scotland. So it's, it becomes a very different game. If... If I was to uh, to predict, I think the players will be looking forward to these matches more than the the title run and that pressure of having to win every single game. Whereas you know you can essentially get a a draw or a narrow defeat away and still come and win and win the home game and go through. So I think it's brilliant. I really do. I'm so so excited for it. And um, yeah, I think the journey's going to go. I think we're going to go all the way to the final. There you go. I've said it. Well, if it is Atalanta, and I suspect it will be, then 2008 Portuguese team in the quarters. Italian, then the Italian team in the semi, and there's no Russian side to bugger up the final for us. So, yeah, it's all looking pretty tidy. Uh, Andy, if if I have a worry, and this is going to sound silly, but I think everyone listening to this, and I think you guys will understand when I say this, I think we'll beat Celtic in a couple of weeks. I don't have any doubts about that. I think we'll do fine in Europe. It's St Mirren in the next league game that worries me. <laughs> uh, um. I don't know. I think if we beat Celtic, then we'll be like a train. I really do. Um, the Celtic game is massive. It wins it no massive. Mm. No, I, I, don't, I don't go with that one. If, uh, the Celtic game will dictate what happens after that. If we win that, then I think we'll be absolutely fine. I think they will be supercharged. The fans will be supercharged. And uh, St. Man will take care of itself. If it doesn't go our way, then you know we're on a we're on a road to hell, and it'll be really really painful because you'll just be trying to keep alive. But um, uh, it's it's all to play for. This is where you want to be. The fixture list is the fixture list, but you know, I, I hope you're right about the squad responding to a game every three four days. I really do. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, we speak about roof. I'm going to I'm going to mention one player in particular, Lundstrom has became a, a critical player for us just at the right time. And and Van Bronckhorst obviously loves him because he's he, he, he was critical to what happened at Dens Park. You know, he started midfield. He was really handling that pitch well. You know, he was taking the ball off his, his teammates in, in difficult positions in a shit pitch. And then the second half, he kind of moved backwards. So we're going to have, we're going to need everybody in that squad. And I'm looking at Barisic, I'm looking at, you know, Arfield again. They're all going to have to contribute and be at the top of their game. So uh, let, let's worry about, you know, Celtic and then worry about Samarin after that, David. And hopefully I'm reminding you of this conversation saying, look how silly you are. <laughs> no, I, I, I sincerely hope that too. But you're right, one game at a time. That's all we can focus on at the moment and every one of them at 
every one of the games we have from now to the end of the season is our most important game of the season up to that point. That's, you know, one of the things. So it's not going to be good for the ticker, but it is potentially going to be very, very good for the sense of satisfaction. So thank you very much to everyone for joining us this week. Can I just point you in a direction, incidentally, if you're down in London, uh, one of the shows on Playback Media's network along with us is the Spurs show, and they have a night with Alfie Conn, formerly of Rangers and, of course, uh, of Celtic, controversially. But uh, if you're interested in hearing what he has to say about his career, just search Spurs show Alfie Con and up it will come and you can go and attend. I think tickets are a tenner for that one. So if you fancy it, um, they'll be talking about Spurs, but they will be talking about Rangers. And of course, he was part of the Cup Winners Cup winning side 50 years ago. Another another omen. Right, lads. Thank you, first of all, to Big Andy. Pleasure. Pleasure. To we, Andy. Thanks very much, David. To our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. There's no heart and hand extra this week because obviously we have no fixture at the weekend, so there's nothing for them to preview. But we'll be back next week here on Heart and Hand, and then there will be Heart and Hand extra the following week to preview the Celtic match. So relax, rest up. You're going to need all of your energy. April is going to be mega. Thank you very much for listening to me, folks. Take care. Bye bye. Podcast Network.